0: BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts and the stars of the PBA. Now from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar.
1: Joining us is Jeff
0: Carter.
2: Jeff is sponsored by Storm Turbo 2 and one Grips. And if you want to find out more about Jeff, check out jeffcarterbowling.com. Jeff runs tournaments in the central Illinois area. Also very busy doing some stuff with uh, coaching, the Robert Morris women. And so thought it would be great to just get Jeff on. So, Jeff, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, Jeff, I thought it would be great to catch up with you. You know, you're one of the guys who he went out on tour for, uh, for about 12 years, I believe. And you decided, you said, you know what, this isn't for me. I, I don't like being away from my family. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay home with my family, but I still want to stay with bowling. So just kind of let's, let's backtrack a little bit, and let's have you talk a little bit about that, your, your tour experience, and then after your tour experience, how someone who makes that choice can actually still stay involved and, and as, as active as you are in, in the bowling community.
3: Well, it, it really all started you know, back in high school, the direction that I was going was immediately to the tour when I graduated. Um, the, some issues were there. Uh, the, the money wasn't very good at the time. Uh, my dad didn't feel like it was a, a very smart decision to go straight from high school uh, to the PBA tour. So I actually went to work at home. Uh, we've got a, a local lumberyard and some other businesses that we have here at home. So I spent about 10 years um running those, doing a lot of other things like that. I had some other interests that I was involved in. And then finally around 98, 99, I figured I probably couldn't put it off any longer, so I actually started bowling some regionals. Had some success, and then uh, made the decision in uh, right around 2000 to go out on the national tour and kind of throw my hat into that ring. Spent, uh, like you said, about uh, 12 years out there, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Um in a lot of events, a lot of regionals, a lot of tour stops. Uh, had some success. Um, I made the three shows. I had uh, probably another dozen cracks at other shows. Um, I was never one of the top players, but I always felt like I was kind of in that uh, 25 to 35 range each year. So I, I felt like I was good enough to be out there, but I wasn't good enough to win on a consistent basis.
1: That had to be somewhat difficult mentally to handle because you had one of the greatest physical games, in my opinion, going out on tour.
3: Well, I no, it really wasn't that difficult. I mean, I've always been a realist. Um, when you look at yourself next to a lot of those guys out there, I could tell right away that the only way I was going to be able to keep up or beat those guys was to outwork them. And that's what I tried to do. Um, I developed uh, a work ethic. Uh, You know, a lot of that came from my dad and and upbringing. But I developed a work ethic that that kept me competitive for a decade out there. Uh, And I had a lot of help. You know, I had, uh, in the beginning, I had guys like Brian Purcell and Del Ballard uh, in my corner. Um, Eventually, I had guys like Chris Lemmer, Hank Boomershine, Mike Jasnow in my corner. Um, You know, and, and... Fitting for a day like today, uh, John Jowdy, uh, was a big influence on me as well. You know, he just passed away this morning. Um, but he, he was a big influence on my career as as well. I spent a lot of time, uh, over the years talking to him about, you know, various things and, and, uh, he helped me as well. So a lot of people had a hand in getting me to where I was, but I always knew deep down that I wasn't going to be a, you know, a Pete Weber or a Norm Duke. I always felt like I needed to work as hard as I could just to, to get what I could.
1: So, so you have no regrets about going out, even though you may have gone out a little bit earlier than maybe some experts felt you should. But uh, again, you, you can't turn back the, the hands of time. Would you do it differently if you could do it over again, say maybe go out five years later than you did as, as a youngster?
3: Well, no, actually, I probably would have gone five years earlier at least because I didn't go out till I was thirty so um, you know, looking back on it, if I were to do anything differently, um, possibly i would have I would have invested a couple of my earlier years in it, but on the other side uh, on the other hand, I look back and say everything happens for a reason. I've got two incredible kids that are uh, basically my life, and I don't think things would have turned out this way if I had done things differently back then. So looking back, the way things are now, no, I wouldn't change anything.
2: So, uh, Jeff, you just brought up John Jowdy. What, um, do you have any stories that maybe you'd like to share for some of our above com listeners? You know, he he touched so many bowlers, and he touched really every person who came in contact with him regarding bowling and helping people. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to share that comes to mind, maybe a, a good John story that you could share with us?
3: Well, I really don't have any good stories, but, you know, my first experience with him was in the mid-'80s. My mom bowled professionally when it was back in the LPBT days. And I always used to see this guy wandering around in this burgundy Columbia 300 jacket with this unlit, huge cigar sticking out of his mouth. When I finally realized who he was, uh, immediately he kind of became somebody that um, I admired a great deal. Just watching how he interacted with the players. And then uh, once I got out on tour... um, Just seeing how he's still, even at an advanced age, I mean, he was in his 80s by then. He was still active, and he was still around quite a bit, and he still had, you know, time for everybody that was out there. And uh, there were several times where I'd be practicing either by myself or a couple of people around, and he would just come down, sit down, and and chat. You know, not that he was trying to interject anything, you know, in me, but he just kind of wanted to come out and hang out and talk. And, uh, you know, I I will say one thing that it really amazed me, and it it was hard for me to even hear it. But he told me one day, uh, he says, you know, he says, I think you have the best follow through I've ever seen. And I, I never forgot that. You know, I still to this day find it hard to believe that that was the truth when somebody like that says something like that to you. But uh, that's just the kind of person he was. He was, he was honest. he was a straight shooter. Uh, he would give anybody help that needed it. Um, he didn't believe in some of the um, the coaching certifications that are out there now and and uh, you know a lot of the the way that the sport is going in you know, this era. he was still old school and liked to do things his way, but his wife still got the job done. He's one of the only coaches that I know that his method stood the test of time from the 60s, 70s, 80s on into now.
2: Well, Jeff, and speaking of coaching, you are the uh, the women collegiate coach at Robert Morris. So is there anything or what have you implemented that, that John passed on to you that you're implementing and teaching these young women when, when they try to improve their game through some coaching techniques?
3: Well, a lot of my coaching style has been taken from a lot of different people. Um, I've incorporated a little little bits and pieces here from everybody I've worked in, worked with into my style. So I'm not really sure that I've incorporated anything that he really gave me as much as a lot of the theories and concepts that 6 to 8 different coaches that I've worked with have kind of helped me develop my own type of style um we're just now getting started with the robert moore springfield program they're in their second year there's only six girls on the team currently and we're in our second week of just kind of getting together our official practices don't start till next month but we've already started to uh work on some of the physical game issues and uh we've got some talent on the team i'm really looking forward to this season and and looking forward to this incredible opportunity with these girls
1: you know, getting back to your, your coaching duties, will uh, Robert Morris Springfield be affiliated with Storm since you have such a good working knowledge of their product base?
3: There's a good possibility. Uh, it's one of the things that uh, it, we've already discussed. Um, the collegiate aspect of, of uh, the sponsorship at Storm is part of what my my duties are with Storm with the coaching department at Storm and Storm University. So uh, it's not necessarily my decision on who we sponsor, but I do have a direct relationship with all the schools that we do sponsor. So even though I may be coaching at Robert Morris, I just went and did a camp last weekend at the University of Purdue. So my my first job is still for Storm Bowling products, and if that means I'm going to other colleges around wherever that need us, need me, then that's still my first job is I'm a coach first, I'm a coach for Robert Morris, uh, Springfield 2nd.
1: So can you t- touch base with us a little bit about you know, these people have seen these T-shirts around, especially in the Midwest area and, and definitely in Milwaukee area, the Bull Strong.
3: Uh-huh. Well, what ha- how the whole thing got started was back in 2001, I lost my best friend to cancer. Her name was Mary Tubner. And at that point, we decided to take the PBA regional that we've been hosting, and we turned it into a, uh, a benefit to raise money for cancer research in her name. And we did that for about another, I want to say, seven or eight years as a PBA regional. And we averaged about $10,000 donation per year uh, to local cancer research facilities. And over the last couple of years, we've shifted gears a little bit, and we now run a team challenge event that is uh, this year's weekend of September 6th through the 8th. And there's a program attached to it, uh, big team event. Uh, it's all being run with our, our tournament group, Land and Tournaments. Uh, it's the Mary Tubner Memorial Team Challenge presented by Storm Bowling Products. Uh, last year we had, it was kind of a who's who in, in bowling. We had probably 17, 18 touring players there. Huge field. The team that won it was led by Michael Fagan and Mike Wolf. Uh, Pete Weber was there in the finals. We had a lot of other guys, uh, a lot of the, the good players up in Wisconsin that, that Joey's very familiar with. Uh, we're all down. They made the finals. Actually, they were the number one qualifiers. And um, so this year, I, I decided to take it a little bit farther. And we went ahead and made Land Linking Tournaments a not for profit organization. And I wanted to make the charity official. So um, about the time that all the things were going on with the Boston. A bombing and they came up with the boston strong idea it kind of hit me that hey we can change this whole thing take it a little bit more national and give it a name and uh i was always a fan of the the live strong uh cherry foundation so we just decided to call this thing bull strong and as we got going in i thought well maybe we'll make some t-shirts so we did a run of t-shirts of about 120 of them and they sold out in less than 10 days so now we're on about our fourth order of them already, and these shirts are kind of starting to go all over the country. Uh, I've had a lot of people uh, order 10, 12, to 20. Um, I've sent some to Singapore, sent some to Tokyo. Um, we've had pro shops in Texas, Oklahoma, you know, Joey's shop up in Wisconsin. Uh, we've had a lot of people order multiples and, and sell them in the shop, so It's going great, and I couldn't be happier with the response and the support that we've got for for the Bowl Strong Charity.
2: And we're going to get a link as well on Above180.com to help and do what we can as far as that's concerned. Uh, Jeff, for more on Jeff, you can check out Jeff Carter Bowling. All the stuff Jeff's talking about is there. Uh, Jeff still does coaching if you're interested in one-on-one. Jeff, a, a couple quickies before we go. Um, received an email, and if you got a question for one of our guests, possibly Tim at Above180.com. But uh, it was a whole laundry list of questions, and just wanted to pick out uh, maybe a few of them and, and get okay. your thoughts on those. Um, number one, I guess the first question this this gentleman is asking is, uh, when initially lining up, what should, what should a person's first three shots be? And this is something... You know, as we get back into the league play, um, and we're gonna, we're gonna, I guess, specifically say, let's just say this is, uh, you know, for your, uh, for your league or your tournament. We're not gonna say the PBA patterns because then we'd have a whole laundry list of answers. But just, just in general, where should someone, you know, someone throw their first three shots? And heck, even if it is league, because you never know, the house may have changed oilers, it may have changed machines, it may have changed numerous things in there that could have changed. So where, where would you say someone should throw their first three shots to help them get lined up?
3: Well, the obvious answer to start with is you're going to basically play your A game on your first shot or at least your first couple of shots. Um, you know, the key is to make sure you got a ball in your hands that you can get off your hand quickly and cleanly. Uh, that fits good, feels good. Everybody has that go-to ball that they love that feels the best, that they're the most confident with. So, you know, if you're bowling in a bowling center that you routinely bowl in, pretty good chance you're going to have a basic idea of where you want to start on the lane and with what ball. Then after that, it really depends on how, how quickly you can get loose. If you can get loose quick enough to where you can start to judge after two or three shots, then you can start to watch your ball reaction. And the one thing that I would tell a lot of the league bowlers out there is start to learn how to read the lane front to back instead of right to left. Don't judge your bar reaction based on how much it hooks or how little it hooks, but to when it hooks and where it hooks. That way you can start to judge where the friction zones are, where the oil is, the length of the pattern, the volume of the pattern. You can start to read a lot more of that information when you're seeing it front to back than you can when you're looking at it from side to side. So it kind of opens up a whole new world mentally when you look at the lane differently, so to speak. So if you're trying to get lined up in just three shots, you know, like I said, I I throw my, you know, my go-to ball, my benchmark ball in my preferred part of the lane first. If I have enough ball speed on it while I'm getting loose and it looks good, then maybe you throw a couple shots there, then you grab one other ball and just try something different just to see what the reaction difference is going to be. If you don't like your ball reaction on your first couple shots, then while you're waiting pay attention to where other people are you know you you don't necessarily have to look at where they're crossing at the arrows but look at the exit point where does the ball start to change direction down lane you may be able to play the same part of the lane down lane as somebody else but just get there in a totally different uh, way so there's a lot of different things that you can do but the main thing i would suggest is do do whatever you're comfortable with first
1: now, a lot of that information Jeff in my opinion i mean it, it's 100% accurate but is inspired from your experiences on the PBA tour what single Correct. right and, and what single element or let's say thought process did you change from your prior beliefs going to going out on tour to what you learned being out on tour and i don't mean the pressures and all the other stuff you have to deal with but just in in your physical game Reading lame conditions
3: I literally changed everything about my game, start to finish, front to back, physical mental it it there really was nothing left unturned. Um, wow. I remember in my second year, um, I was struggling a little bit i had a I always had a very high cash percentage rate, I was over ninety percent cash, but I was probably twenty percent match play, and Dell Ballard took me to the side. And we were in Taylor, Michigan, up in Detroit, and we literally spent four hours. And in four hours, he totally rebuilt my timing. And the very next week, I made match play, and then I was kind of off and running from there. So that was step one of basically rebuilding me. And that was a work in progress, even till the day I retired. As far as the reading lane conditions and learning equipment, I'm still learning. I'm still finding different ways of doing things, even while I'm coaching and I'm teaching people this stuff, I'm still coming up with different tricks and different ideas now uh, to pass along. So that, that learning process never stops. But yeah, to answer your question, I literally changed everything. My My entire mentality about the sport of bowling changed.
2: Well, Jeff, it sounds like you're a very busy guy. So we're going to let you we're going to let you roll here, but um, lots of great stuff. Thank you for joining us. And we're going to have to do this again. I know me and Joe have been doing this now coming up on 3 years and this is the first time we've actually got to chat on air. I know we um chatted briefly when uh, when we were both in in Fort Meade at the uh, helping the, the oh, soldiers yeah. and military yeah. veterans out over there, but um, think it's to do anything. Which was a great
3: event. I love going over there for those
2: Oh, I, I know that was it was such a great time watching helping those guys and you guys you guys were helping them. I was just kind of there observing and and uh, and seeing the smile on those guys' faces and watching them bowl was just uh, was worth uh, worth every penny. So, um, Jeff, we're going to leave things at that, but it was great having you join us. We're going to have to have you on again, okay? You bet, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Tim Burke, Joe Serrar, Jeff Carter. Good luck and good bowling.